Hello, everyone. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be here today, especially on having less than 72 hour notice to this uh, webinar series that we've called Embracing Change. Reason being, all of us are in different stages of experiencing what is COVID-19 and um, we in Hong Kong are in week 11. Some people in the world are now starting week three or week four. And as we've been taking care of the hundreds of people and families that we have all over the world, a lot of opportunities have showed up along with a lot of challenges. So listening to everyone and, and some concerns and some beautiful things that have occurred as a result, um, we decided to come up with at present We've uh, already put up on the site three weeks of webinars and we plan to do up to six weeks. So as we, we do this, we'll listen to your questions and obviously we can pivot and create more content for you. So this is all about you. This is about your, your journey and we're just here to help you to consider uh, different things, whether it's regarding the relationships, whether it's communication, which we will talk to today, whether it's the challenges with wealth, whether some of you are being challenged with, being, with supporting your children during this homeschooling process or learning from home process. Others are finding it a little challenge to work remotely, to lead remotely with impact, and I could keep going. But, um, so we've seen a lot of opportunity and a lot of change. So before I hand over to Danette, um, just want to remind us that we control two things in life, the meaning we give to everything that happens and our response. Once again, the meaning you give to everything that happens and our response. And this is truly an experience where all of us are in unprecedented times. We are in uncharted territories. We are completely out of our league. But at the end of the day, again, it's the meaning and the choice we have of how to respond. So today's topic is on, on communication, how to communicate effectively, and um, my dear friend, Danette, who has helped me through a lot of my own personal challenges as I uh, learned to communicate better, not only with my loved ones, but with my parents, the family at large, and my team. So it's, she's a dear friend. For some of you who know her, obviously, you know, she's known as the queen of hugging. Now, obviously, with physical distancing, she's behaving herself. But um, so with no further ado, I'd like to introduce Danette, the co-head of our Family Dynamics uh, Division at Genetic Care, but also a dear friend. Please, Danette. Thank you, Faisal, and thank you for a beautiful introduction. And yes, anyone who knows me knows I love to hug. Um, I only have my husband at home now that gets hugs. So, <laughs> and he's in the background today helping with the other panelists as well. So if you've got questions, if sound's not working or something, please just let the all panelists know and they'll help. So I've got a question for everyone, and this is really to get used to using the chat box, but it's also around communication. So how important is communication for you? So in the chat box, if it's not very important or very important, put it in the chat box. Excellent. I'm seeing lots of very beautiful, fundamental, very excellent, super important, beautiful. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, and I do a lot of 
training around communication where one of the things that I notice is it is very important and often we don't spend that extra time actually skilling ourselves up on new ways to communicate. So it is something that particularly during uncertainty is one of those things that the more we invest in learning to communicate more effectively, the greater the positive impact we'll have on those around us, whether they are people that work with us um, and or loved ones and family and friends. And thank you, Sajid. Yes, it is. It's an important way to express ourselves. And in fact, we not only communicate externally, we also communicate internally. And I'll come back to that in a minute because that actually impacts on our life, how we show up. So as you would have seen in the... Um, invite that was sent out these are the areas that we're going to concentrate on today again in the chat box if there's any areas specifically that you'd like me to focus on um, please put that in the chat box as we go um, I will come back to that and as I'm talking if you've got a question about what I'm speaking about again put it in the chat box because I'd love this to be a conversation rather than me just talking and I know you're on mute, but you can chat to me through the chat box. Love the chat box. Now, I'm a massive quote person, and this quote comes from my coach, Robin Sharma, who says, with better awareness comes better choices. With better choices comes better results. So the first thing when we're communicating is we all think we're really clear when we're communicating, but over time, if we reflect, we get feedback from others, we work out that we can work on particular areas and become more effective with our communication. Until we're aware, it is very difficult to change how we communicate. And in the worst case scenario, you'll see this where someone is super stressed and perhaps has lost it. And by lost it, I mean they're yelling, screaming, or they've entirely withdrawn. Now, they think they're communicating effectively, but the impact they're having on those around them means that very often they're not communicating particularly well at all. And through uncertainty, our brain is going to move towards a bit of a panic or a bit of a... <gasps> and so part of being able to communicate effectively during uncertainty is to understand what your brain does under uncertainty, say stress or pressure, in order to be aware of it. So I'd love for you to put in the chat box at the moment, what do you think are some of the outcomes that you see where there is miscommunication? What impact does that have on others? Is it effective if people are miscommunicating? So in the chat box, um, please just let me know um, what do you think are some of those outcomes of miscommunication? Fear, absolutely. And it happens quite a lot, particularly under uncertainty. Panic, yes, thank you. Tension, conflict, sour relationships, bad outcomes. Frustration, anger, confusion, fear trigger trauma, absolutely. Um, conflict, sadness, pain in others, withdrawal, mismatch, expectations, protest. None of those sound particularly good, do they? Confusion, not certain with the outcome. This is one of the impacts. This is why investing your time and your energy in being able to improve communication is absolutely imperative to, one, getting your message across, but also lifting yourself and others up 
and creating good relationships rather than ones um, which can end up with, um, in the last point there, Sarah was talking about low self-esteem, Sajid leads to loss of friendship, misunderstanding with colleagues and friends. So they're all of the outcomes we really don't want, which is why I love going through communication and helping people understand more about how they can do it more effectively. So first thing um, I wanted to share was just a tiny bit about our brain. So under uncertainty, we are likely to get stressed, confused, etc. As, as many of you shared with us. And yes, Lawrence, it is like living in parallel worlds. And what happens under stress is our brain diverts blood flow from the front of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, where we do all of our thinking, our innovation, creativity, etc., and it gives it to the survival mechanism, so where we do the fight, the flight, the freeze, and eventually there's a, a fourth F now, which is called flock, where we come together and talk about things. The thing is, when that happens, we don't present our best self. So the moment we become stressed, our ability to make good decisions, our ability to communicate effectively, diminish. We know under extreme stress, your IQ will be cut in half in seven minutes because the blood flow is stripped away from here and given to the survival mechanism because under threat, our body perceives that it is far more important to survive than it is to think. So if ever you've had a, you know, a, perhaps a, a heated conversation with another person, at the end, neither of you will really recall everything that was said. And that's because there's no blood flow here to be able to recall things. We know too, in times, just in normal times, about 67% of our thoughts are negative. So when we go into uncertainty, as we are at the moment, our brain is far more likely to be looking for the worst case scenario, looking for threats, rather than looking for the positive things. Unless we become aware that's what it's doing and we actually focus our brain on more positive things. And really to communicate effectively, we have to be in a very nice calm space. And so the moment we're in fear, or feel stressed, our ability to communicate with, you know, say it's our loved ones, is diminished until we get back to that calm space. So some simple things you can do is just deep breathe. A couple of deep breaths says to your brain, the threat's not as bad as I thought it was, and it sends blood flow back so your brain can be working far more effectively. We also know that when we are under stress, that our judgment goes up. So we become snappier, which means we're far less effective from a communication perspective. And the other big thing that happens is our empathy drops. One of the resources I'm going to share, or we're going to share with you in an email after the webinar, relates to compassion. A great Harvard Business article that came out last month around how what we need more in the workplace and also at home is compassion because everyone's doing the best they can because we're all a bit stressed we tend to go more judgmental and the moment our brain does that it perceives that we're right and everybody else is wrong now the moment you 
that up in yourself with greater awareness. Oh, I've just decided I'm right and the other person's wrong. Know that you've moved out of curiosity and you've probably got more blood flow here than here, which means you won't be able to listen to the other person as effectively as if you were calm. Now, some of the reasons why we miscommunicate, and it's really easy because there's so much that happens to us. On average, every day, we get about 60,000 thoughts. It's a lot of thoughts, isn't it? And so because of that, the ability to hear what other people are saying, is it's quite difficult. In fact, every second through your five senses, you're getting about 2 million bits of information, which our brain chunks down to about 64 bits and then chunks it down to about five to nine chunks of information. So it is very easy to misconstrue what another person said. For example, if you have a trigger word and someone uses that word, then your brain will go off in its own conversation. Even though you're physically present, you won't actually be present from a brain perspective. So you'll miss whatever's said after that trigger word. So that's a lot of thoughts and a lot of information. Equally, our internal mind, where we do a lot of our communication, so at this this moment you're all speaking to yourself internally and you're probably going no I'm not you just did <laughs> so one of the things to realize is our brain is often very cluttered and in times of stress it fills itself up with what if what about oh my goodness and it has all it's like a computer with lots and lots of folders open and as you know with your computer if you've got lots of files open eventually your computer slows down same with our brain and I bet some of you, probably all of us, have experienced over the last little while with the virus some nights where we've struggled to shut our brain down. So it's chattered or you've woken up in the middle of the night and it's been chattering away. And if you can relate to that, I'd love for you to put that just a yes in the chat box. And I have to say it's happened to me and I teach this stuff, but from time to time, that's what happens. Now, when we are like that, thank you everyone for sharing. What happens is we're not present. So in order to be an amazing communicator, the best space we can be in terms of our brain is right here, right now, present. What happens when those, our mind's going like this, this picture, and many of you have agreed that's what's going on in your brain, we move either to, at the moment, most people thinking forward, or oh, what's going to happen? How am I going to cope out? You know, will my families be okay? What's going to go on with this virus? And so that takes us out of being present to thinking forward. Now, sometimes we also will think backwards. So we'll think about the past and bring back up, say, if you've had a conversation which didn't go how you wanted, you can churn that over and over and over. And the moment you're either thinking in the past or in the future, you're actually missing what's going on now. So if you're having a conversation in the present, you've missed part of that simply by where your brain is. Yes, and I can see that, yeah. Often our brain is like that in normal life without the virus as well. So the other thing that stops us from being able to communicate particularly effectively and again causes miscommunication is those external distractions. If you think about it, 
there is so much going on. So people to, to try and get certainty will go on to news websites or they'll go on to social media. Um, perhaps you know, people are sending you lots of emails, you're getting lots of phone calls, or maybe you're doing a lot of video conferencing. There's so much stuff that is out there that can actually distract us. And one of the things that happens is if it's right here, so if it blips for argument's sake, like an email, we go to that because it's urgent. The thing is, sometimes that gets mistaken for important. And I'll give you a story about this. A couple of years ago, I was doing a talk on resilience. And the day before, the people who owned the venue where we were doing this particular talk, she'd taken her children to swing, swimming lessons. And as she was, um, she had her kids strapped into the car, she's ready to go home. She started reversing and thankfully she had a reverse um, camera sensor. So it started going do 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 do. Anyway, she looked into the, the reversing camera and saw that there was a tiny child behind her car. Now beside the car was mum on a phone, on a mobile phone, texting someone and she'd let her little child run off behind a reversing car. Because the texting was urgent, the problem was the child was important and she nearly lost that child because she mistook urgency for important. And one of the things that can happen, and I bet you've seen this as well, devices are quite, um, what's the word? Not contagious, but you know what I mean anyway. So when, when we're on devices, we actually are not in this world, we're not present. And the thing is, you know, parents can be at a, ta at a restaurant, used to be when we could do that, um, and they might be both on their phones. Um, addictive, Graham, yes, thank you. So when we get dis external distractions, it takes us actually away mostly from what is important. The thing is too, because our, in our brain is, a, energy hungry beast. So our brain is 2% of our body's mass, but it uses 20% of our body's energy measured, measured through blood flow. So every time we get distracted by something, we give attention and we use some of that energy in our brain. So if at the end of the day, you're flitting between emails and social media and all different things, you'll find that your brain's really drained. Because what if we keep changing our focus, we can't multitask, we switch, which chews our brain's energy. So if you have a conversation you need to have in the evening and you've spent most of the day doing multiple things, you'll struggle to communicate effectively because you just don't have the, brain, the bandwidth in your brain. So internal dialogue impacts our miscommunication, external distractions also do that. So I'm curious, because that's how I love to be, what are some other things that cause miscommunication? So in the chat box, I'd love for you to share our own experiences, expectations, perceived notions, absolutely. You sometimes, yep, you're just lazy, lack of knowledge, anger, lack of confidence. All of those impact us. I like that one, yeah, values underlined. And we believe our values are the ones that they should follow and sometimes not. 
not regarding the needs of others, our preconceived thoughts and emotions, and absolutely fear as well. Belief systems, yes, thank you. Lack of listening, not, a, not listening to understand, instead listen to reply. That is so important, yes. When that happens, really we shut down our ability to hear the other person. And yes, absolutely lack of empathy. So there's a lot of reasons why we don't do this particularly well. Now I've got a question, again, I, I, I'm a very interactive um, presenter. I, I love to, to have those conversations. So a question I've got for you is, how do you want to be remembered in terms of, do you want to be remembered as someone who uplifts others or perhaps impacts them on a not so positive way? While you're answering that in the chat box, absolutely. Lawrence has just written here, culture, downloaded information, whether it's right or not. Yes. So sometimes we just have a particular thought and we're like, this is right and we don't care what others think. Absolutely beautiful role model. I love it. Uplift and inspire, being of service to others. And if you think about it, our communication actually has the ability to inspire and uplift others. Or if we don't do it so well, if, and if you think back to all of the reasons we miscommunicate, it can have a really horrid impact on others as well. I'm just going to read a quote by Dr. Maya Angelou, which I'm sure some of you have heard before, but it, it's just why it's so important to communicate well. I've learned that some people will forget what you've said. People will forget what you did but people never forget how you made them feel. And so when we communicate well, we uplift, we empower, and we make people remember us in a beautiful light. One poor judgment call, one poor time where we may be a bit overwhelmed, can break trust, break relationships like that. So communicating in a beautiful, kind, generous, positive way, just makes the world a better place. And absolutely at the moment, if we think of everyone is doing the best they can and we look through that lens of kindness and compassion, we're going to create a, a better world and we're going to empower people to be able to move through these uncertain terms, times and show their best selves. And, you know, that, that's a beautiful world. Yeah, I love that, Lawrence. Help people reconnecting with the magic of the magic and heart. That's so, so important. We don't need any more fear. We just need that beautiful mag magic of love and kindness. So if you want to have a positive impact on others, then having language that is neutral or positive, and by neutral, I mean that it is not inflammatory. So what I see when people are really stressed is they'll use words like catastrophe, disaster. Any of the people who I've coached know that I just say it is what it is. It's not good or bad. It just is. Because the moment I use big inflammatory words, my brain goes into the threat mode. If I just say it is what it is or what's the opportunity here, I'm signaling to the brain to keep the blood flow here and to stay wide open to the opportunities that are around. And that question, what's the opportunity here, is so important. That came from my coach, Robin Sharma, and every hard time we've been through, 
I ask that we all ask that in our business and we get through it in such a, a much better way than if we went down the rabbit hole of negative thinking. You know, positive, by there I mean just kind words, loving words, to remember that everyone is doing the best that they can. Do you want a simple hack on how you can improve your brain's functioning by 31%, which will make you a much better and more effective um, presenter, communicator? Anyone want to know that one? Just type yes in the chat box if you want to know what it is. 31% increase in our brain's effective. No, I love it. Just going to do a party dance. I love to celebrate when everyone gets engaged. It's beautiful. So the thing is, if you do this, smile. When we smile, we signal safety. When it's a genuine smile, anyone who sees us, whether it's our children, our family members, um, friends, work colleagues, etc., when we genuinely smile, we say things are okay. We'll work through this. When we do that, people come together and work together. If I come in instead and I'm like, I don't know if you can see me, but I'm frowning, I signal things aren't okay. And if I'm the leader, it actually signals to everyone, uh-oh, there's something wrong. The blood flow gets diverted from the front of their brain to the sides. And all of a sudden, <gasps> and it's each person for themselves. We don't want that. So it is really important to just make sure that we stay in that beautiful neutral space. And again, nice deep breathing. It is what it is. It's not good or bad, it just is. I'm sure you have experienced times that were really bad that later on when you reflected actually helped you make changes which were positive in your lifestyle. Equally, there would have been times when things looked really great and later on in reflection, they turned out to be not so great. So really in the moment, saying it is what it is, is a beautiful way to come back to centred. Use words like possibilities, opportunity, growth. All of those are encouraging the brain to look for possibilities, opportunities, etc. So at the end of the day, your language will impact on others. When you Become aware of your language and change that language to one that uplifts others. It'll not only uplift them, but it'll also uplift you. Because your, your life is created through your language. And I know when I coach people, I can tell where they're at in terms of emotions, etc., by the language they use. Emotions aren't good or bad. They're just signaling this is either working for me or it's not. We're all in this together this uncertainty. And this is why Faisal's put this series together. So, you know, let's lift each other up. All right, let's move to this one. Now, one of the things a number of you have talked um, about, and I know Faisal loves to talk about this and he'll share a bit more towards the end, is deep listening. And you'll notice this picture has an ear, as in here, but it also has a heart. When we really truly listen, we listen with our head and our heart aligned. And if you've read Faisal's book, you'll know that this is part of what he wrote about in his book. So it is really important. If I really want to communicate well with another person, then I seek first to understand them. And then once they've heard 
sorry, I've heard them, then they'll listen to me. So I take that step of listening first to them and not just listening with my ears, but also with my heart. When your heart is fully open, there is good science now that shows that your heart actually sends more information to your brain than vice versa. We have brains in our gut, our heart and our head. When they're fully aligned, we pick up a lot of stuff that people who are in fear won't pick up because the ability of those brains in each part of our body gets shut down through fear. So when we are relaxed and calm and curious, we actually are able to hear more not only of what's said, but also what isn't said. We pick up stuff through our intuition. Now I know this is most of us. In fact, this is all of us. This is a picture of what we want to control, which is the big circle, versus what we actually control. So the big circle is we want to control everyone and everything. And in times of uncertainty, we, because we tend to go to fear, we, try, we will sometimes become quite controlling because what we're trying to do is get some certainty in a world that is uncertain. And what usually happens is we start to try and control those around us. Now, I can guarantee if I could see your hands, if I said who likes being micromanaged and controlled, no hands would go up. And as Faisal said at the introduction, there are two things that we actually can control. The meaning we give things and our response. And so when we are communicating, we need to look, if we are getting frustrated or angry or whatever, am I actually present? Am I hearing what the other person is saying to me? Or is the meaning that I'm giving this something that actually isn't true? Maybe I'm bringing up some old conversations that perhaps I haven't cleared out. Maybe someone spoke to me in that tone, which isn't the person I'm talking to at the moment, but that tone has triggered me or a word they've used has triggered me. And the moment we're triggered, we are not effective as communicators. One thing I'd say is if you want to become aware, notice the moment you start resisting what is. So you start to try and make something what it currently isn't. Equally, if you start craving stuff, because both of those say to me, you're not being present, you're trying to control what's happening. So you're either thinking backwards or you're thinking into the future and not just nice and calm right here, right now. And yes, we all get emotional. The moment you notice that is the moment to go and come back to centered. So it's not saying don't feel the emotion, but it is noticing, is that going to make it a better conversation or not so much? And I know previously in the chat box, a couple of people spoke about things like beliefs, values, etc. I'm always astonished because we all think our perspective is everyone else's perspective and it's not. Our perspective is made up of our values, our belief, etc. So things that our family has given us, our memories. And that means that when I'm trying to communicate to another person, part of my, if I want to be effective, is to understand their perspective. Classic one, and this happens in coaching all the time, the word respect. When we use the word respect, we all think it means the same thing. It never does. I always ask someone when they say, that person's not respecting me, 
can you define respect for me? So we can actually communicate that to the other person. We really do think we all see the world the same, but we don't. And this comes to what I think is the most important bit, which is about how do we really, what simple things can we do to communicate more effectively? So one of the things that I certainly recommend to all of the people I coach is taking time each day to reflect. So if you want to become a better communicator, have a journal and in that journal, ask yourself every day, what should I keep doing in terms of communication because it's working? What do I need to stop doing because it's not working? And what do I need to start doing? And if we do that little bit each day, 1% win each day, all of a sudden, you know, over a year, massive changes around your growth in communication skills. So look for 1% wins on how you can improve your communication by checking each day, checking in on what can I keep doing, stop doing and start doing. The other thing is study great communicators and in your journal write, okay, what's one little thing I could adopt that that person who's a great communicator did? Equally, even just collecting good questions because questions allow us to be curious, which makes us more effective as a communicator, particularly where we're listening to hear the other person. So some really simple things to do if you want to be far more effective as a communicator is first of all, check in where you're at. Am I present or is my mind chattering? If it's chattering, what I loved about Faisal before we started this webinar is that he meditated for a couple of minutes. I walked outside and watched the sun go down just to get into that beautiful centered space. In that space, we're present, we're calm. It's really easy to be curious rather than judgmental. And in curiosity, we ask questions. We seek to understand what the other person Person is trying to communicate. If they use a word that maybe triggers us, we recognize that because we're centered. We go, oh, that's probably not what they meant. Hey, can you just explain to me that word you used? I just, I'm not sure I understand the meaning behind it. So those questions allow us to elicit the other person's response. If um, it is really important what you're going to talk about, you might want to plan that discussion while you're calm, while you're by So if you could practice it as well, just so that if it is a really important message that you are able to communicate it in a nice, calm manner. In these challenging times, if you have people that work with you, please don't repeat a message once. If it's an important message, repeat it a number of times using different methods. So we know Best, most effective communication is face-to-face. -face. Now, for most of us, that's not possible at the moment. The next best is video because we see each other. After that, it's audio and the least effective because we can't see the face, our body can't pick up the mirror neurons which say that person's okay or they're not okay, they're angry or they're not, is through texting and emails because all you get is the words, you don't get the nuances. If it is an important message, then if you can't be face to face, video is much more effective. The other thing 
is if you are having a difficult conversation that you need to communicate, it is okay to take breaks if either party gets a bit heated or a bit emotional. Just to, again, come back to that beautiful calm and centred. One last thing, and then I'm going to hand over to Faisal, and we're going to take questions, is change your words can change your life. And again, one of the resources we're going to share with you is the Tony Robbins article where he talked about the day he realised when he changed his words that it actually literally changed his life. And the words he used to use were frustrated and angry. Now, notice the emotion around them. They're strong words, frustrated, angry. And I bet all of us at some stage have said, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And he, had, he was dealing with someone on the same thing and this other person wasn't really reacting at all. And he's going, how come you're not frustrated and angry? And the other person said, oh, well, I'm a little bit peeved. And they all laughed because peeved is a funny word. And in that change in the word, he realised that it actually changed the emotions. So your emotions come from the thoughts in your head and your thoughts come from your language. So are you angry and frustrated or are you a little bit peeved? Or maybe like Ben Zander, who did an amazing TED talk, he's the, um, used to be the conductor for the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. He used to, if something went wrong, he would, instead of going, oh no, or oh, what a disaster, he would go, how fascinating. What a beautiful way to look at the world. So words like curiosity, fascinating, amazing, are far more uplifting then I'm angry or I'm frustrated. Now, it's not to say, don't say you're angry, but look at that label and then go, okay, what am I actually, what's missing? What's the need or want? Because that's the thing you need to communicate. And I'll just give you one more example before I hand over to Faisal. If you live with another person or you have at some stage in your life, I bet at some stage there was a little bit of frustration because maybe the toothpaste was squeezed the wrong way or maybe they left their hairbrush somewhere or the toilet seat was up or down or whatever. And one day you came home and the other person just went ah! about the toilet paper or toothpaste or whatever, toilet seat up or down. It's never about what they're complaining about. It's always about the need that they don't feel appreciated or respected. If we react to what they're saying, we miss the opportunity to be curious about, okay, they appear a bit upset. I wonder what that's really about. And mostly you'll find it's about not feeling appreciated, not feeling loved, not feeling respected. Now, when we look with compassion and kindness, we are far more likely to not react to what is being you know, thrown at us and instead look lovingly and go, okay, I wonder how I can help fix that. And when we do that, we create a beautiful relationship. There's no judgment. We just are there in love, kindness, trying to understand the other person to help them work out so we can effectively communicate. I want to share one more quote and then I'm handing it over to Faisal for the last little bit. Unexpected kindness is the most powerful, least costly and most underrated agent of human change. That's by a gentleman called Bob Kerry. 
I encourage you to work on your communication skills because when we do it really well, we uplift this world and it's exactly what we need at the moment. So I'm going to now hand over to Faisal. He's going to share with you the four steps and um, feel free to ask questions as we go. Thank you very much, Danette. What a, I don't know how everybody else is feeling, but I feel an absolute peace inside as she shared the last quote and, and shared the last few words. It's just so calming. So I want to take um, what Danette shared and just look back at um, what the book I wrote about, but actually how we can really choose how to move through this experience that we're all having. And it's, you know, I call the book, The Four Steps to Flow. So the first question is, are we embracing what is or are we resisting? And I just did a, a podcast, which is gonna be put up um, later today on LinkedIn and a few other places. The difference between acceptance versus embrace. When I accept something, I may be giving in or giving up to the reality that is versus embracing, which is a becoming. So one is a, a I'm, I'm losing energy, I'm losing part of my existence, while the other one is I'm, I'm becoming. So to go back to my own personal experience when I, I went through the cancer versus when I went through the relationship challenge. In the first instance, which was the cancer, I saw very quickly that this was a gift, that I had time to say thank you, I had time to say sorry, I had time to, to spend with my loved ones, even though the physical experience was very grueling. And I also had gratitude that I didn't just drop dead of a heart attack. And I saw that, that gift very quickly. While during the relationship challenge, the meaning I gave was that I had failed my children. The meaning I gave was I had failed as a father, as a spouse. Is not everyone able to see my video? No? Um, and, and so look at the difference, right? One was stage three cancer and one was potential divorce. And now based on the meaning I gave, I took two different trajectories in the cancer I embraced what was, I trusted life, trusted God, trusted the universe. And because I trusted, I was able to remain calm and centered inside, having what we call a knowing. And from that space of knowing again, in that heart space, there was clarity of mind. And in that clarity of mind, I was able to make choices that were in the best interest of my family, my loved ones, and the extended family. And of course, you know, the people that that I was serving. While during the, the relationship challenge, I did not embrace, I resisted. I did not trust, I questioned. I questioned God, I questioned the universe, I questioned life. I was not calm, I was anxious, I was, I was in fear, right? And therefore I did not have clarity, I had fogginess. So I just want you to, now of course I'm giving very two extreme examples, um, but at the same time, what we are today is in uncharted territories, right? We are all out of our league. Now, are we truly embracing what is 
and looking at the opportunities because we're trusting life or God or universe or whatever you, you believe in or the God within, are we able to remain calm and have some sense of clarity so that we're able to really be there as Danette explained, right? It's, it's really what she's trying to really look at is the first step towards being able to show up without expectation with some of you mentioned in the chat, without imposition that again, some of you mentioned and without expectation, which was mentioned multiple times. So how do I show up without imposition, without expectation, without, um, uh, you know, in a conversation with my loved ones and not show up charged? And, and this is something that, you know, we, I mean, obviously we, we serve many families around the world and, and, and people used to ask me, what is the meaning that you're building, helping people build resilience physically, mentally, emotionally, and relationally for the unexpected? And here we are today. We are in absolutely the unfathomable unexpected. And how are we doing, right? Are we doing the basics that some of them, Danette, talked about of meditation, of journaling, of having that review every day, being in gratitude and beyond? So I want to open up to questions and, and would love to, to hear what are some of the things that you'd like us to expand on or, or to discuss further, um, you know, as we have the last, I guess, uh, 10 minutes of, of this webinar. Danette, is there something you'd like to add or? I was just going to say the next slide I'd really like to show because it's it, what Faisal talks about in the, the four steps to flow. The opposite is what we get here. So resistance. If you are finding yourself resisting, that means that you are not present, that you are trying to make something that is into something that it isn't. So don't waste your energy getting frustrated, etc. What is happening is happening. What can you do to make it um, yeah, something that works. Great question here. How do you overcome your insecurity about something? This is where using um, journaling is a really important thing because one of the things I know is, and this is for me as well as people I coach, we all have triggers. And so when we're insecure about something, if we take the time to journal and, and ask, okay, where is that coming up? What is triggering me? that I feel insecure. And then going through and, and looking at where that, it's come somewhere from your past. So you may have been messaged when you were younger, you weren't good enough or you didn't do this properly, um, et cetera. And all of that comes from what, what I call our ego. So in our brain, all the time, we've got a little monkey chattering away, and you're not good enough, you're not doing this right, blah, 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 blah. And what it is, is our mind, and our mind is not our brain. Our mind is that chatter that goes on, and particularly in uncertainty, it's going on a lot. And it, I call that our ego, because what it is, is this voice trying to keep us safe by keeping us small. And so insecurity, jealousy, fear, all of those, this part of our mind is basically trying to keep us safe. But what it does is it will make us judgmental. It will make us be not so kind to ourselves. So firstly, I would say in relation to insecurity, I'd be writing and, and thinking, okay, why is that coming up? What's coming up for me? Where's it come from? And also just looking at yourself with those loving eyes. So you are amazing. 
every single one of us is amazing. We all have unique gifts that are unique to us. Again, if we bring them to light in this world, we make the world a better place. Your insecurity is just a need that currently isn't being met. If we can explore that, we can find safe, healthy ways to meet that need that make you feel good about yourself. And I'm also happy if you want to, um, you'll get both Facebook and my contact details. If you want to contact us, happy to go through that in a bit more detail. Okay, so I'm just reading. Thank you, Shelley. It's lovely to see you too. Um, would be interested to understand your perspective, Danette and Faisal, on how we can encourage a more human-to-human -human connection in business, making sure we recognise the gift this time is giving us to be more connected on all levels. And I agree with Shelley, and I'm happy to hand over to Faisal as well. We see this as a time of service, a time to uplift, a time to connect. The beautiful thing is while we can't be face-to-face, we can be face-to-face -face on platforms such as Zoom. This is a time, if you've got extroverted loved ones or friends or work colleagues, to reach out because if they're by themselves, they're going to be lonely and extroverts need that human contact. Introverts, not as much. This is a time for us all to shine and recognise that we are literally all in this together and if we work together, we create businesses that are far better working together and partnering than they were just by themselves. So I hope that helped. Um, and another one, um, Faisal, did you want to say anything more about that human to human one? I think the, the next question, no, I, I, the, you know, we, we, we're going to be doing a, a, a webinar on leading with impact, right? And really bringing in, the empathy and uh, and and you know vulnerability to the conversation. Asking people, "How are you?" Not "How are you doing?" "How are you feeling?" And that and going back to the second question here, I think we can all agree that loving oneself is a key to a lot of inner peace. However, the practice of loving oneself is not learned easily or taught well. What advice would you give to individuals that need to be really strengthening through self-love? So again, I mean. Beautiful question, and, and this is what, you know, I mean, we have care, as you see in our, our brand, self-care and self-love. And one of the things is, is, obviously, we need to bring in into our lives routines and habits that are bringing that practice, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's eating the right foods, whether it's, it's um, getting the sleep that we need. But at the same, or, or help from, from coaches like Danette who have been there, for example, for me through many of the experiences that I've been through. But one of the things that I want you to also consider is that, you know, yes, our outer is a reflection of our inner, right? Is to begin with the kindness and the love and the care with ourselves, which is something I never, I never understood until I went through the experience of cancer, that it was me that was being the hardest on myself. It was me that was being unreasonable and unloving beyond any, any um, you know, enemy that I would ever have, you know, thought of. But I think one of the things we also need to learn is to receive. You know, I, I remember doing a talk and, and Dr. D, who's going to be doing one of the webinars, came up to me and he said, you're a very selfish human being. And I was like, are you kidding me? 
right? And here we were in a room of a few hundred people about to share. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, how does it feel to receive? I said, I mean, to give. I said, it's the most incredible, you know, feeling on earth. He said, okay, and, and you do it? I said, yes, I, um, this is what I do, and I do it all the time. He says, how good are you at receiving? And I was like, actually not very. And what was his answer? He said, you are not allowing others to give. As a result, they're not having the most incredible feeling that you get to have all the time, right? So this is something that I want you to also consider when it comes to self-care and self-love is to learn to receive. And that was the first thing I had to learn when I was, when I fell sick was to receive and to be dependent on other time. Danette, we have, we have a few more minutes. You want to take a look at another? And, and I was just going to say on that one, look in the mirror every morning and say, you know, you are beautiful. You are a gift to this world. And just look at yourself in the eyes with love. Everyone has a gift to bring to the world. Don't let that little voice keep you small. I hope that one's helpful. The last, um, actually there's a couple, but I'll, I'll ask, I'll go through the first one. We can work on ourselves and become great communicators. What can we do when faced with someone who's not centered? How can we calm them down? So we know from the brain science that if you are the calmest person in the room, you are going to be the leader in that room. So the more you practice being calm, just deep breathing, being curious about what they're saying and letting them talk. So what I know is when someone's super upset, my role is firstly just to create a safe space for them to debrief. So when people are going blah, 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 don't take it personally. Just let them do that because what's happening is as they say whatever they're saying, eventually they'll do this. And in that moment, I know that the blood flows now back here rather than when they were going blah, 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 blah. It was on the side of their brain in the survival mechanism. And once they do the deep breath, and they will do it, it probably will take about 20 minutes. But the moment they go they've felt heard by you. And in that moment, you can then go, look, I just want to clarify what you were saying. I, I didn't quite understand this term. Or you can just say, I feel like I understand you now. Would you be willing to also listen to what I've got to say? And pretty much most times they will because you've allowed them to feel heard first. If we interrupt a person when they are processing, they will become louder and stronger and that what they're telling you is I don't feel heard. In coaching we learned a, a acronym called WAIT and WAIT stands for why am I talking. So when someone is really upset use the WAIT principle just bite your tongue and actually just let them process. Once they breathe you'll be able to have a really good conversation. Hopefully that helps. Give it a go. And if it doesn't, reach out and contact us and I'm happy to help with some other strategies. Now, I've got another one there. Um, so I'll do this as the last one if this is okay. Sometimes, any time I feel sort of 
negatively perceived, etc. I become aware of that and then focus on bringing myself to centre. Sometimes it takes half a second to become aware. Yep, sometimes it's after a full-blown reaction. But it's huge to develop the practice of being self-aware. That's such a good point. So if you do react, catch yourself. It's the moment you catch yourself. Centre yourself back and say, look, I'm really sorry. Over to you again. I need to listen to you. I've missed that. I hope, we hope this was really helpful. Um, Basil, would you like to come on for the last little bit? Sure, I just wanna again, thank everybody for, for being here today, for the honor and privilege for Danette and myself to be of service. I hope that uh, you found this one hour of your time um, you know, helpful and obviously um, you can reach out to us if there's anything else we can do to to, to be there to support you through the experience that we're all going through. Um, you know, our prayers, our thoughts are with you and your loved ones and um, would really um, love to see you again online um, in the next webinars. Uh, the next one is on Thursday with an incredible, my mentor, my doc, Dr. Sadegi, would love to see you soon. And we'll be sending you um, a lot more content and support as we go through this experience together. All right, so see you soon. Thank you. Most welcome everyone. We're getting all these incredible thank yous, really absolute pleasure, um, honor and privilege. Thank you, Danette. Um, it's just been a beautiful experience and um, I hope that everybody can feel the love, even though I know you can't hug with the physical distancing that we're all supposedly <laughs> <laughs> here to to behave ourselves obviously graham has a privilege he's your husband so <laughs> he gets to continue but uh, really thank you very much really i'm glad that uh, you found this helpful and um and uh of value and i hope to see you very soon and yeah reach out send us an email and uh, we can take this offline and uh, take the experience to more depth okay I love that comment from Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. That's beautiful. <laughs> she said I was I, I, I was a sharp version <laughs> when I spoke to her on on, uh, on Saturday, if I remember. All right. I guess most welcome. Mm. So Graham is the, the boss. Should we get off Graham or is it okay to keep enjoying all these thank yous and welcomes since it's our first webinar in this series of Embracing change. Oh, virtual hugs. Thank you. I love Thank it. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Very the much. next best thing to real ones. <laughs> All right. So, bon appetit to those who are, um, you know, if you haven't had breakfast, uh, enjoy your breakfast. If you're still in Europe or post, those in Dubai, enjoy your lunch. And uh, for those of us in, uh, in, in, in the further parts, we're about to have dinner. I don't know if Danette's already at dinner, but. Uh, We'll be having dinner soon and uh, really thank you. Thank you for anything. And once again, see you on, on Thursday. Um, it's going to be actually a little later. So at 9 p.m. Hong Kong time, 5 p.m. Dubai time, 3 p.m. In, in Europe, as in Western Europe, and then 2 p.m. in London. It's Dr. Sadegi once again, my doctor, my, my dear friend, my master, my mentor, and um, Danette knows also uh, of him and he's written the introduction to the book. So thank you very much and see you all on Thursday. Thank you. Bye. Thank you everyone.
hugs. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Big hug back, Geraldine. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>